Abba Yahweh, thank you again for this new day, day that you have walked. You know this day. You know the turns. Father God, that you just guide my brothers and sisters, guide my steps. Any detour is a road, Father. Thank you for this day, this opportunity. Abba Yahweh, Aman, Shuaman, Paraklitos, Aman. So I love God's confirming word. I love his guidance and things that he just, what he does, I love it. Um, I don't do a lot of stuff on on the social media because it's so negative and so full of uh, pretend fake people and fake things so I make sure that whatever goes is truth and that is this word that God gives to me all the time and he draws me in and he shows me directs me he took me to Psalm 141 which is um, and you might wonder why I I go to the book of Psalm so often and why I share from that. Pardon, sip of coffee. And I've shared before, possibly I haven't, or I was thinking about it and I did not. But I go to Psalm so often because David is so much like us. And you say, well, how can that be? It was 2,000 plus years ago. Yeah, maybe so. Just like for those perverts that want to rewrite the Bible because they say it's not relevant or up to date. I say that you are full of baloney. And remember, again, I use that word and that term pervert quite often because that's what they are. They're perverts. And it has nothing to do with any sexual... It has, it's not a sexual connotation. What they do is they twist... And they turn everything that is meant for good, and they are the ones that practice that verse that is in the Bible that talks about saying that evil is good, good is evil, and bitter is sweet. Everything that they say is opposite of what it should be. Well, these perverts, and some of them wear their little collars so that people know what they are. They're they're uh, they're a Phariseeism in a, in a minimalist sense that they're not wearing, well, no, I take that back. They are. They're, they're doing that very thing. And when they go in public, they want people to know what they are and what they do. And when they get out there and, and they put their show on, well, they do the same thing on stage. They're pretending and this individual gets up and says that the Bible is wrong and that we have to rewrite it. Well, that I go to David so often because he is so much like us. He has so many things that are going on around him. I mean, he is, uh, he is in a position of authority. He's the king. He's the king of Israel for Pete's sake. But he has so many things that are going on. They have people that don't like him. He's got enemies and a lot of things go on in his mind and I've shared this with you before that so much of what David goes through is in his mindset and a lot of things that he has are in his imaginings 
They may very well be real, some of them, and some of them are in his mind. His mind is so troubled, and he... But the thing that we notice and that we need to practice more of is that David goes to his source of strength, his source of protection. Nobody said anything about David being perfect, okay? So let's get off that. And I have so many people that want to start an argument. Goodness gracious. About the word of God, really? You want to start an argument about the word of God? And God called him and did not remove that from him? God has said that David is a man after his own heart. The only thing that God took from David is that he did not let him build the temple. David had drawn the plans. He he drafted that. He did the architectural drawings and he so wanted to do that. But God reminded him as it was coming toward the end of his life later on and he was planning to get this together. He said, David, I can't do that. I won't do that. You will not do that. And that fell to Solomon to build the temple and get that done. But he did not allow David to do it because of David's sins. God knew what David was about. God knows what we're about. God does not expect perfection from anyone. So stop pretending or putting that out there, okay? There's a lot of pretending that goes on. Let me share this with you here. Psalm 141. Lord, I cry unto thee. Make haste unto me. Give ear unto my voice when I cry unto thee. Let my prayer be set forth before thee as incense and the lifting up of my hands as an evening sacrifice. Set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth. Keep the door of my lips. Incline not my heart to any evil thing to practice wicked works with men that work iniquity and let not me not eat of their dainties. Ah, there's a puzzling verse. What does that mean? Let me not eat of their dainties. What is that? Dainties are a treat. Dainties are, uh, you might call them a bait. Come here, little boy. Come here, little girl. I have some dainties for you. I have some candy for you. Come on, I'll take you home. You shouldn't be walking by yourself. Come on, I'll take you. It's bait. The iniquities and the mistrust and the and the evil that these that wicked men and women portray, and then they put out the dainty. They put the bait out there. They want you to take part in what they're doing, the evil and the wicked that they do. Oh, here's a good one for you. Ever hear of a thing called the Ponzi scheme? And this guy who devised this plot and drew all these folks into it? There were people that lost millions of dollars in this Ponzi scheme because the bait that was put out there by this thief 
and liar. The bait that was put out there was irresistible. And they bit into it and they gave this guy their life savings. Some of them lost their entire life savings. And then, here's the thing. I know this sounds heartless. Well, whatever. Um, and I know that there may be some that will be offended at what I'm about to say. But you know, here's the thing. Then they all turned around and they tried to say that this guy, this guy this, this guy that. Well, let me tell you, he broke the law indeed because that sort of thing is, is not legal. He did break the law. But those people chose to bite into that bait that he put out there. They didn't research or they didn't study and they immediately jumped on board and they took his word for it. See, the devil loves stuff like this. There are label heads and self-proclaimed Christians that do the very same thing and then they want to stand back and point their finger and throw stones. And the thing that David talks about is to protect him from that thing that he stay away from those baits. And he also talks about speaking untruths and lies to keep the door of my lips. When I pray and I get into situations, I pray that the Holy Spirit would heap the coals on my tongue too worried about those hot coals that are smoldering on my tongue to be speaking evil and wicked things and to be cautious in that way. And David in chapter in Psalm 139 he's talking about enemies and things that he's got going on that are around him and the anxiousness that he feels. And we're going to be constantly surrounded by that, but we need to not be caught up in it. I mean, we can't get away from it. Things that go on will cause that sort of thing to come up, but immediately go into prayer. Immediately go to prayer. Pray in and through. And I have to practice more of not practicing after the case, but uh, before, during, and after. That needs to become more of a practice. I do it, but I need to practice it more because there are some things that the devil will bring. And it happens quickly, but the Holy Spirit was talking to me this morning, this early morning, before I even got up and was talking about these little instances that go on. And sometimes they're, they happen rapid fire. This is, this is a tactic that the devil used, and I'm telling you, he's a very good tactician, but a rapid fire assault. It's almost like machine gun fire of agitation. So this is when we Throw out the, and you've heard me use the term bullet prayers. Just a quick, fast prayer. Holy Spirit, guide me through this. Father, 
take my hand. Just quick. doesn't have to be a lengthy prayer, but a quick, rapid shot. Get it off. But these rapid-fire things that go on, and, and they cause agitation. Start grumbling. And then immediately, after you think that's done, here comes another one. Similar, different, but agitation. And then before you know it, by the time you even hit mid-morning, you are really rattled and just so agitated. And the kitten goes flying down the hall or some, you know, people react to things differently. That's all that means. Don't get your knickers in a twist over that. The kids come home from school and they want to talk. Oh, dad, 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 mom, mom, mom. And then what do you do? You start grumbling at them. Why? Because you had all those little rapid fire shots coming on. So you have a retortion for that. And that's those bullet prayers that you send up to all these prayer into, during, and after the situations. We are, we are counseled to do that thing. And we should remember to always pray why is it that prayer seems to be the last thing that we do? It should be the first thing we do. We pray on the entrance of the day. We pray before we get out of bed and start doing the activity of the day. And when we close the day, when we lay our heads down on the pillow, last thing we should do is talk to God. Brothers and sisters, this is an important thing to do. We have to do that, especially as the day is waning closer to that, to that day. What am I talking about? You know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about that day when the Lord comes again. That day when he fulfills that promise that he gave to us. To that day is coming and drawing nigh. May not happen when I'm alive. I would love to see the Lord return. I'd love to be alive when that takes place. That'd be so awesome. I may not be. There are maybe many of us. Remember this, that tomorrow is not promised. Tomorrow is not a guaranteed day. So stop thinking and taking for granted that your tomorrow is promised day and you're going to go to bed and wake up in the morning and everything's fine. You don't pray when you go to bed and you don't pray when you get up. You just take it for granted that you're going to keep on motoring. You don't even acknowledge that God is even around. You pretend to be that church-going self-proclaimed Christian, but you don't pray. You don't talk to God. You don't go to prayer meetings. Now, there are times when people, they don't have transportation, they can't get to and make it. That's true. There is that instance. However, get to church, get to prayer, talk to God, talk to God in all things, talk to God always. But here's, a, here's an instance in Psalm 139. David was felt surrounded and he was being anxious. And he was sharing with God. And he's talking about those that come into me. But here's the thing that David, David did a lot. When you read through the Psalms and you see this, that he goes through, but you also read too 
that he is in contact with God. And starting in verse 17, how precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God. How great is the sum of them. What was God and Jesus thinking about when Jesus said, yes, I'm going to go down and die and sacrifice myself for all of these, for those? He was thinking about me. And yes, each and every single one of you should sit for a moment in quiet and ponder that thought. Who is he thinking about? Yes, you can say he was thinking about me. Because it's true. You were in that. He didn't come out and say in the Bible, your name. For God so loved the world. Are you not part of the world? You decided that you want Jesus to be in your life and to change your life and that you want to have faith in God and have the Holy Spirit to guide your steps so that you are an heir and a joint heir and adopted into the kingdom and the family of heaven. Then you can say that. He was thinking about me when he came down and walked on the face of this earth and this plane of existence and they crucified him on the cross and he bled for me. He sacrificed his life for me. He came to save me. He came to redeem me. He came to wash my sins. Each and every single one of you can say that very thing and it would not be untrue. Just like God can walk beside you and tell you that you are his own and that he cherishes you and loves you so much. And then he can walk with someone else and tell them the very same thing. Why? Because God's abundant love, abundant love means more than enough. He doesn't run out because that is what God is. You have to understand and know these things here that so much of what the Bible talks about it's not a description of how God should act or ought to act or would act because he is. It is a description of God's character. God is love. John, John repeats that a number of times. Paul says it. Peter says it. <laughs> and Peter, remember the story of Peter. Peter denied God after telling God that he would be with him always and that he would never deny him. And Jesus looked him right in the eye and he said, Peter, Peter, Peter. Kind of interesting when you read the scriptures about interaction between the Lord and Peter. He said, Peter, before the cock crows, you will deny me three times. Three times. And Peter, of course, is not happy, but when did he ever know through their course and walking together that Jesus ever lied? Never did. That's why it upset him so much. I pray for the strength because I'm I'm going to share this with you right now because I know it's coming and I know it's true because I'm watching the egregious behavior of elected officials and things that are going on around. I pay attention to things. Yeah, I'm old and certain things that I can't do, but I pay attention to things. There is going to come a time, brothers and sisters, when you are not going to be able to 
openly share and worship. Sadly and adversely, I see that time is coming. So I'm going to do as much sharing as I can possibly do. And brothers and sisters, you have to be aware. Be aware. Keep your heart focused on God. Stay true to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, all those that they like to say. And then you start Abraham. God was true to them that love him, just like the book of Proverbs 3, 5, it tells us right there. He will guide our steps. Like David praised him. And like he's talking here in Psalm 139. If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. Surely thou wilt slay the wicked, O God. Depart from the me, therefore, ye bloody men. For they speak against thee wickedly, and thine enemies take thy name in vain. Do not I hate them, O Lord, that hate thee, and am not I agreed with those that rise up against thee? I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them mine enemies. What does David mean when he says that I count them with perfect hatred? And as true believers, as true believers, not label heads and not self-proclaimed, but as true believers, we should also, that you don't want to be around them. You will pray that the Lord would come in his spirit, but you know that that is, that might be a vain thought, knowing and seeing and being in how they are very wicked. But a perfect hatred is such that you don't want to be around them. You don't want to be near them. You don't want to be with them. You don't want to take part in anything that they offer. And you despise everything that they're doing. However, you still offer prayer. We are told to do that, to love our enemy. Jesus has taught us that. He says, what? Well, you love your enemies. It's much easier that you love those that are close to you. You love your family. And you hate your enemy, but you need to love your enemy so that you pray for them, you pray over them that they could be they could be repentant repentant. Don't know if I said that right. Repentant, repentant. And you have to know that your judgment is not given to you. You don't have that authority. The judgment is God's. God's alone. You're told to pray for them, pray over them, pray for all men, even those that you really despise. Let me, I'm going to share this with you truthfully and openly and think you could probably tell. I watch these politicians that lie, steal, cheat, 
to see, do all these things that they're is totally contrary to what they're supposed to be doing. And they make statements like, oh, we're all in this together. We'll take care of this. Well, no, they're not because they don't lose businesses. They don't have to pay these outrageous things that we do because we're paying for it for them. And they declare, and it really agitates. But here's the thing. I pray for them. I pray for them. And it may not happen while I'm walking because it's not up to me. But I pray for them because they still have an opportunity to repent, correct what they do, and be adopted into the family of God and be taken to heaven. That opportunity for them, that is the greatest possible gift that you can give to anyone. And we're told to do that thing. As Paul wrote to Timothy, and he told him, pray for all men and women, because there's men and women that are in that position. Pray for them. Pray for them who are in that position of authority. We're told to do that. We're commanded to do that by the word of God. Further, verse 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. David did not want to take part in any of those things. He didn't want to take the bait, the dainties that they were putting out. And he didn't want to be in that. And he didn't appreciate the fact that they spoke evilly against God. And those who do this thing. And here's that. In Isaiah, and Jesus speaks to this as well. Isaiah 5. Woe unto them that call evil good, and good evil, that put darkness before light, and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet, and sweet for bitter. Woe to them who are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. Woe unto them that are mighty to drink wine and men of strength to mingle strong drink. Which justify the wicked for reward and take away the righteousness of the righteous from him. Therefore is the fire devoureth the stubble, and the flame consumeth the shaft, so their root shall be as rottenness, and their blossoms shall go up as dust, because they have cast away the law of the Lord of hosts, and despised the word of the Holy One of Israel. Lord God Almighty, that there are those out here that say, oh, it's okay to do this, when it's so blatantly obvious that they do 
bad, their iniquities, and they, they hurt people. And then they try to convince me, well, if you're not hurting them, it's okay. If you're not hurting anybody, it's okay to do that as long as you don't hurt them. How many times have I heard that through the course of my life? Oh, my goodness gracious, just heard it the other night. Well, not hurting anybody, so it's okay. No, it's not. If it's wrong, it's wrong, period. Period. Stand for what's right, even if you stand alone. Stand for what's right. Remember this, that you're never alone. You might look to your left and to your right and not see anyone there, but God's invisible. The Holy Spirit is not visible. You have to trust me when I say this, brother and sister. Well, you don't have to, but I pray you would. And if you try my spirit, try my spirit. I've invited you to do that too many times, and I'm telling you again. If God were to show himself, people would fall down in fright, weeping and bawling and crying because they wouldn't understand. And <laughs> Spirit just brought me up to this one. It's He knows I can take off here. Woe unto them that join house to house, that lay field to field, until there be no place that they may be placed alone in the midst of the earth. What is that telling you? Look around you. Look around you. Look with spiritual sight and open your ears to spiritual hearing. You will hear the Spirit talking to you and you will see these things. People are building on top of one another. They have what's called a zero property line. I, I had some acquaintances of mine that, that paid an outrageous fortune for a house. And in using the bathroom, and you men stand up sometimes. And you're looking out the little window and you look right across. I mean, they're, they're literally, if I took a broom and stuck it out the window, I could tap on the glass for their window. And there's somebody standing right there. The man that was living over there. I'm like, oh, are you kidding me? And they had a dog. And the backyard was minimal. There is zero property line. There was a, a space on the side for a garbage can. And they paid an outrageous fortune for that. And, and there was a day and time when I was younger where when you spent that much money, you had some acreage and you had distance and you had space between you and your next door neighbor. You might have to walk a football field bank to get to their house. This is one of the things that it's talking that there's coming a time there's already a time here when we are just building on top of each other. What does it say? Why does it say woe unto them? Because what happens? People get agitated with one another so readily and so quickly and so easily fussing and fuming over this 
agitation of what is theirs and what is not. But don't get caught up in the wickedness and don't fall prey to the bait. And John, thank you, Brother John, in verse 6, he talks about this. Jesus said this. No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him and I will raise him up at the last day. This Father draw him or her. That's the Holy Spirit convicting your heart. And the, remember that word conviction is not like you go to jail and the judge convicts you of first-degree murder and you're going to have a life sentence and you're convicted and you go to jail. But then you get parole and you get a second chance. Not what they're talking about here. The conviction of your heart is that the Holy Spirit speaks to you and points out that what you're doing needs to change. And so you decide, you say, Father, I want Jesus in my heart. I want my life to change. I want to believe that he is your only begotten son. I want faith in you, Father. I want to have faith in you. I want your spirit to guide my steps as you promise that it will happen. I do. I will. Let's go. And that's what you pray. The Holy Spirit of Abba Yahweh is drawing your heart, convicting your heart, drawing you for that change because he loves you. He wants you to be adopted back in the family, to give up that, that you have taken. This is what we need to do. We need to give that up. We need to walk in his way. You have to understand, brothers and sisters, that we have one walk, one way, and one thing to do. And you have to understand, too, that God does not draw unto perfection as his son is perfect. There is nothing on this plane of existence that is perfect until he who is perfect has come, and that would be the Lord Jesus. Understand that the disciples that were physically with Jesus had a difficult time When Jesus was teaching in the synagogue and teaching, and he was talking about communion, I 
and he was doing the comparative teaching with the manna and how he came from heaven and trying to get them to understand that when he was teaching in Capernaum in, in the synagogue and his the disciples that heard this thing if we see in John 6 Verse 59, these things said he in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Many, therefore, of his disciples, when they had heard this, said, this is a hard saying. Who can hear it? And when Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said unto them, doth this offend you? What, and if ye shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before. It is the spirit that quickeneth the flesh, that quickeneth the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. So understand this, that his disciples even had a hard time and they walked with them all the time. And there were many times that they, they walked in news. But where was the heart? Sadly, there were some that, that walked away. Even after walking with Jesus. And, well, actually, the scripture doesn't say how long they were with him. But you know that the 12, they were with him for... From there were some that were with John the baptizer when he baptized Jesus at the stream and some that were present then and they had walked with Jesus all that time until he was crucified and he left. And then when when he went and he told them that he needed to leave and there were some that actually just walked away. Why? Because he was not there. They weren't going to visibly see him anymore. So without seeing him, and that's what kept them going and said he was there. So uh, they were kind of pretending. As long as they could see him, it was good. And this is the way a lot of us are today. Those label heads and those self-proclaimed. And there are those that, well, I can't see God. I can't see Jesus. So you didn't come talk to me. Well, you're not listening. You're so caught up in everything else that you're not listening to God who does speak and does speak to us when we seek him and we look for him. I have the Holy Spirit comes to me all the time. When I'm thinking on God and, and trying to meditate on him and keep that distraction of, of that white noise out and seek his word to start my day, knowing that my day needs to start in his word, my, my day needs to start being in the word and sharing and being about my father's business. And the Holy Spirit comes to me. And it isn't an audible voice all the time, although at times he has come and it is so, what's the word I'm looking for? It's so, profound or so that's not the word I'm looking for 
it's almost as if it's an audible voice. There have been some instances where I've actually turned and looked. I, that, that thing that was going on when, when uh, I was going to drive off the bridge and commit suicide and take my life that didn't belong to me and didn't have the authority to do that anyway. And when he talked to me, it was so audible that I actually turned and looked because it was as if somebody was sitting on the edge of the bed in my sleeper and, and was there. Was pre- any, and when he was, he just was not visible. And when I was on the freeway and that Toby call, I shared that there was that blind turn on the freeway and it was an engine. What a, what a place for somebody to stop. That, I got to tell you, <laughs> that was not a wise decision. But then I heard that voice say, move now. And this was like a snap of the finger and it was, it was like an earthly father although it was my heavenly father. He said, move over, move now. And I took that big old vehicle. I had a 53-foot trailer, and I changed lane, double-checking the traffic, and over I went because he said, do it now. And I looked over my shoulder, and there was nobody there then. But it sounded like somebody was sitting in that passenger seat in my tractor with me and speaking to me. And just went by, and if I hadn't done that, I would have, Definitely taken someone's life. And here's the important thing that Paul talks about this in the book of Ephesians. I've I've shared with you that this is, um, (coughs) pardon me. Uh, This is actually very important because this is in Ephesians 4, but I'm not going to run through the whole thing. We'll do that another time. But what Paul tells us, and and I flag this in verse 23. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor. For we are members of one of another. Be ye angry and sin not. Be not, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Okay. It's okay to be angry. The Bible says it's okay to be angry, but don't sin in your anger. And you say, well, how can that be? How can you be angry? And I say, well, you can. You don't set about lying and doing bad to your enemy or your neighbor because they did something and now you're going to count them as an enemy. You just cut ties. I shared with you the other day and the situation that's going on and broke my heart. I'm not mad about it. I'm not angry. They think I'm angry. Why is it that everyone thinks that someone's going to be mad when they do something? Because that's the way people are. This plane of existence, people become angry and offended at the slightest thing. And they don't understand when somebody speaks truth. When somebody speaks in righteous truth, they don't get it. So they think that somebody's going to be angry. And that's what they ask me. If I'm, well, you know, I, I get it if you're mad and mad about all that. And I respond, I said, I'm not mad at all. I'm not at all angry. It hurt my heart. And I said, but I said, you are in my prayers 
as always, and that will not stop. It will not ever stop. So you can be angry if you want to call it anger. I I guess you could say that I was. Yeah. But I don't want to be and act out in that. So you can be angry about something, but don't act out in it because then you give way to the devil and you listen to what he's telling and you listen to that poison of the white noise and you do what he wants you to do. Just like all those little things that come up and they happen rapid fire and you start falling down. And what is, oh, Satan loves to use those. That's a tactic he uses to have those little things come at you. And they are actually, when you look back, they are little things. That shouldn't matter, but he gets you to think that they do matter and he gets you to react to them instead of praying into and through them. The enemy's had it again, Father, take my hand, let's go. And just keep going and you can rebuke him through this and rebuke what he says. Further, verse 26, be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. If you go to bed mad, you're going to get up madder than what you were because you're not focusing on God, you're not meditating on God, and you're laying your pillow, you're laying your head on the pillow and thinking about being mad at somebody. You're cursing what happened, you're nursing what happened, and you're rehearsing what you're going to say the next time. And I fall into that sometimes. I do. But one of my mentors had said this thing. And I love this saying. As soon as I get, as soon as I, and it comes into my mind all the time, the Holy Spirit brings that right back. Don't curse, don't nurse, and don't rehearse. Just put it in reverse. And what does that mean? That means you don't curse what happened and you get all agitated, mad at the individual or the situation as it happened. And you don't nurse it. You don't, man, I fell and I bust, you know, with that thing that happened with me. And I was fairly well agitated. I mean, this, this knot on my head was, oh, actually looking at the doorknob, it was a little bigger than the doorknob. And it was, it was pretty, pretty good size, purple, my eye blacked and all that stuff. And I was, and rattled, but you don't curse it. And then you don't rehearse. You don't practice what you're going to say to an individual or the next time the situation arises because you're going to pray into and through and you're going to go with the might of God. And then you don't rehearse it. You're not going to, well, if I see them next time, if I see that neighbor coming out here and doing that thing next time. No, you don't. You're going to treat them with kindness and find respect. You're not going to be angry, but you reverse it. You pour out kindness and goodness and you demonstrate to them what it is that we should be doing. And the next time, if there ever comes the next time, you're going to see a difference and just practice that. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath or your anger. Don't let that happen. You need to take care before you lay your head down and go to sleep. Neither give place to the devil. Therein is the key of that whole situation. Because if you give place to that white noise and you put it up on the shelf in your mindset and you allow it in, 
then you allow him to be able to come in there and tap dance and kick around in the attic and kick up all that dust that's in the attic. I've shared this part with you before. They come slithering up into the attic and they stomp around. They kick up the dust and they open the boxes of the past that you shouldn't have up there anyway. Let him that stole still no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands, the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. So do righteousness. Do good. Do the right thing. Your neighbor needed something, so he took something over there to replace, and it wasn't his to take. But use your hand to help replace and repair. Do that thing. Do that right thing. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may Minister grace unto the heart, to the hearers. So when you speak to them, speak goodness, speak kindness, lift them up. Edification is that uh, knowledge that you give to someone that can lift them up and guide them and say, wow, that's a good word. Speak truth. Remember this always, let your yeas be yeas and your nays be nays. Jesus said that. So if you're saying yes, then it is. And if you're saying no, then it is. That means you speak truth, period, no matter what it is. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Don't deny the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit comes to guide your steps and you refuse to hear it and you do wickedness. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. You don't want it. That's not part of your life. You are a child of God. You are redeemed by he who has come, he who is perfect came. And God doesn't want you to be perfect. He knows you're not perfect. And he knows that you have scars. He knows that you have bruises. And he knows that things in our life are not perfect. Perfect. He doesn't expect you to be perfect. Just to follow his tenets and do the very best you can for the guidance of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Brothers and sisters, that's all that God asks us to do, to be about his business and as Jesus came for our sake, that we do the same to and through and for our neighbors. And Paul wrote in the book of Philippians, I had this mark for something else, but the Holy Spirit is, took me over here to this verse. And Paul is talking to the church in Philippi. In chapter 2, verse 19. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send... Timotheus, 
shortly unto you that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. What he's saying is that that he can't get there. This is one of the times that Paul, and remember I've shared this with you, that Paul most of the time was writing from prison or in bondage or in house arrest. This is one of the times when Paul was under arrest. He couldn't get to the church himself, but he knew that Timothy was going and was going to be a good leader. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. For all seek their own and the things which are not, which are, for all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ's. So he's comfortable. He's, what he's trying to do is he's trying to uplift the church. And he's sending good word to them, which we are all bound to do by the word of God that we are in obedience of the tenets of the Lord God Almighty and that we are about his business. And in writing that and sharing that verse with you, he's saying that, that the hireling, as Paul also was a hireling, but he's sending Timothy because he can't get there, that he is confident that Timothy's going to come in good leadership. And that Timothy is going to be teaching and sharing from the word of God, the truth that comes through Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, take care. And Jesus tells us a number of places, and we are told in a number of places that after Jesus leaves and after Jesus left and those who are sharing, that there will be those that will come to deceive And their purpose is to deliver hatred, separation, to destroy the flock, tear the flock and rend them apart, tear the church apart. That is their purpose. And our purpose is to be like-minded, lift each other up and keep each other in prayer during, for, and through all things. You are in my prayers. Am I going out? Am I coming in? Start of my day, you're in my prayers. The end of my day, you're in my prayers. And during the course of the day, you're in my prayers. Brothers and sisters, and if you are out there and you have not made a decision yet, you're listening and you're you're wondering... I'm not going to deceive you by telling you an untruth. And you will have many that will. Oh, everything is just... What was that song? Everything is beautiful in its own way. Well, yeah, I guess that's true. But here's the thing. This is not a cakewalk. And it's not an easy walk. There will be difficulties, but when you have the Holy Spirit and your faith in God, and your focus is on God, it, it's easier. It's much easier. But there will be those that will try to take you down. And know this, that when you come closer and you want to be closer to God, that the enemy is going to try through many deviations and separation because his purpose is to deceive, to destroy, and get you to separate your walk from God and to keep you from getting something that he used to have. And remember that, if you remember 
little else. Remember that Satan used to be in heaven and of heaven. Remember what Jesus told the disciples when he gives us the authority that we have. And never forget that. Oh, goodness, never forget that. The book of Luke. I got to come back here and I got to share that with you again. Here I go. Book of Luke. This is important. It's very important because it is truth. And it is what he said. This is in Luke chapter 10. And when the 70 came back and they were all happy about what they were doing in Jesus' name and he was trying to get them not to be so caught up in that because that tends to lead to boasting and away from what it was. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Lucifer was an archangel and he knows what's there and he knows what God is giving to us freely. All we have to do is choose to accept it. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Notwithstanding in this, rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. So rather than being so joyful over looking at everything that we did in Jesus' name, just be happy that you're doing your father's business. And that's pretty potent right there. The authority that Jesus gives us, not to them, he gives it to us. If you're a true believer and you are believing that Jesus is the only begotten son and you have faith in God and you want the Holy Spirit to guide your steps, then guess what? You have that authority. Jesus just, I just shared that with you. Jesus gave it to us. Over the serpents and the scorpions, which are, as Bible speak for the demons because they come and they slither like snakes and they scamper in and like the scorpions. And to the devil himself, we have authority over him in Jesus' name. Blessings to you. You are in my prayers. I'm going out and my coming in. 